0: The downsides of going to the boxing gym to make friends was having to box. I remember being sat on the back of the stairs of the city hall, it was raining, you know, and it was just, it was hard, it was hard, it was horrible. At the time, the darkest time in my life. At the moment, certain people get the TV, right? Certain people don't get the TV.
1: You know, now you can't say that's because I'm black, white, because most of the p- p- promoters out there, why? This is Upfront with me, Simon Jordan. I believe there are a lot of vacuous, uninformed, unchallenged opinions out there. I want to get to the bottom line and cut through the nonsense. So with this podcast with William Hill, I'm going to get people with strong views who think they can stand them up to proper scrutiny. There's a good chance I might learn something along the way. And more importantly, so might you. Joining me in today's episode is a man that went through years of self-doubt, failure, and even times of ridicule. Before going on to achieve glory, becoming this country's longest ever reigning cruiserweight boxing champion. From lows to highs, from despair to destiny, Mr. Johnny Nelson, welcome to Upfront.
0: Thank you, Sam. And I'm actually... I'm, I'm gassed you even invited me on your show, actually. Well,
1: I suppose the first sort of observation is, how does it feel to be set across the opinionated pain in the arse?
0: <laughs> you're actually, you, you're, you're actually, you grow on people. <laughs> <laughs> well, a bit like fungus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you grow on people, so it's a good thing.
1: Well, I mean, Johnny, you know, I've I, I wanted you to come on because I'm a huge admirer of the body of work that you've done, both in your career, but also from the punditry side of things. I mean, obviously, when you start trotting out things like Alexander Usyk, is an average Southpaw, Hmm. my ardour starts to diminish. (laughs) But I, I suppose the first sort of conversation piece is to try and understand the psyche of what a boxer has to go through to become a boxer. And I spoke to another cruiserweight champion in Tony Bellew and talked about the position that you guys come from in terms of how does one become a boxer? What is it that fuels the motivation? Does it come, and I made the analogy, it comes from a position of anger. It must do because to go into the hurt business and go into a ring and be prepared to dispense pain to someone else, it must come from that position or fear you. or fear. Okay. Yeah. So yours is rather unique because you come from a situation where reading up about you, you were very timid. I mean, looking at you, it's difficult to imagine that, but you were mm-hmm. very timid. And if he, if an adult spoke to you, you had the propensity to fall apart. Mm-hmm. So how do you, with all of that backgrounds, end up, in a boxing ring? It's really simple.
0: I actually went to a boxing just to make friends. The downsides of going to the boxing gym to make friends was having to box. Yeah. The reason why I chose a boxing ring, a, a, a boxing club, is because my older brother, who I kind of followed around like a shadow, he boxed and, and he was smart enough to say, you know, Johnny's a crybaby. You know, my sister used to beat me up. Right. Johnny's a crybaby, I don't want him following me up down at the gym. So he said, if you can go to another gym, which is probably two miles walk from away from our house. If you can go there for a year, then you can come to my gym. And, um, and I probably went, Salmon, I probably went about half a dozen times in a year and I'd hide around the corner, wait until he was outside and then go back home again. And I'd make up all these cock and bill stories about what I'd done in the gym. And I, I hated the gym. I used to, I, I, walk, I remember walking in, into that gym and seeing somebody sparring and getting battered and I just stood at the door, I thought, I ain't going in there, no mm. chance. Um, and
1: then... because you describe yourself as a boy in a man's body, right? Without a doubt. What did I was, that mean?
0: <clears throat> I, I looked the part, I was right. tall. So you thought, I looked mature. As a kid. As a kid, I was a kid until I was about 27 years old. As a kid. Um, my, the, the, my decision making, it wasn't there. My confidence was not there. Sometimes I look at fights and I know what that guy's thinking at the time when I look at him, and I'm thinking, people have no idea. I was Central Area British champion, European champion. I, I I had no bottle at
1: all. I thought, if they only knew. No bottle in what respect? I mean, was it a case of? I mean, I've done this in my life. Fake it till you make it, right? Yeah. That's Do right. you live by that mantra? To without some a doubt. Without a doubt. Yeah.
0: My day of reckoning was when I first boxed for the world title against Carlos, Carlos de Leon. De Leon. Yeah. And that was the fake's over because this guy looking at his pedigree I didn't care about how old he was he'd done it all he he was former world champion he'd boxed, his he'd boxed everybody before me so now I thought I don't deserve to be here so it wasn't about what I could do physically mentally I thought I shouldn't be here I'm, I'm going to get blown up here I'm going to get exposed yours is such a remarkable tale
1: because you then lose the first three fights you then go on a 17 fight winning so now you end up with this fight with Carlos Thieleon, which you'll describe as a dark moment, and we'll get into that mm-hmm. in a second, right? Then you win your next six fights, right? Then all of a sudden, bang, you lose. You lose seven of the next eleven, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and you lose to people like Corey Sanders that went on smashed, uh, you know, Vladimir Klitschko, yeah. which are you know not necessarily um, disgraces by losing losing those fights. But you lose day. seven at eleven, and then yeah. bang, you don't lose again mm. for the rest of your boxing life. Mm. And these are unique sort of not getting knocked down and get up moments. These are like up down, up, down, and then just up. Is this where Brendan Ingle steps into the mix? Oh my goodness, without a doubt. Brendan,
0: one of a kind, um, a truly good man, misunderstood, unorthodox. I don't think anybody could have achieved what he achieved because it wasn't just about the boxing, it was about you as a a human being. He teach people to be better parents, boys to be better men, girls to be better women. I'm not saying he's the same, but what I'm saying is, he 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 taught you life life skills. They don't teach you that in schools. Schools teach you to remember. Brennan taught you to think. Mm. And my battle was mainly with me. Right. Brendan always said you haven't got the confidence to match your ability. Right. And you'll not grow up until you're thirty. I'm like, what? He said you're a mummy, you're a mummy's boy. I I was happy for the comforts of home. We were right. poor. We had nothing, but we had family. So if I was at home around my my family, that was my wealth. So I didn't have any aspirations to be a world champ. I had no aspirations at all. I just wanted to be a mum. I, I was. At you all. wanted
1: to win though, right?
0: I didn't. I didn't care. So, so, so the stick I got when I lost. So remember, I'm getting banter from the boys in the gym. Yeah, I 13 amateur fights, won three. Right. So therefore, they're saying this kid's rubbish. I'm in the gym sparring. People would would come in to watch the sparring. He say, "This kid there, he's, he's rubbishing." But that kid over there, but I can hear him. Right. So they're not saying this stuff behind my back. I'm the butt of the jokes. So therefore, my skin's a bit tough. I'm like thinking, well, I'm not. I don't want to box. I'm not bothered if I right. win or lose. It didn't. It wasn't important enough for me. If I won or lost, it was heartbreaking for some other kids. But if I won or lost, I'm like, alright, oh, I'm with the lads. So, so Brendan Ingle, <clears throat> because I mean, in my life,
1: my father. You know, I went. I I signed chelsea when i was 15 years of age i got sponsored at tennis and got ranked at a certain level but behind me all the time was my father when i built my first business and my yeah. father's like you're a resource. you can do whatever you set your mind to you can do whatever you set your mind to uh, did you believe him I, I i i suppose for want of a better expression i was young dumb and full of the other things so you oh, don't know anything I, different yeah. and i did because he had such confidence in me uh and then as i got older i began to become more Interrogative of what he's saying, saying, well, actually, I, I can't do that. No, no matter what you think I can do, yeah. I think it's important to know your limitations, right? Yeah. I think that's an important thing because otherwise you get yourself into a situation where you get exposed. But yours is the other way around. You've got a situation where um, you're lacking in belief, but you've got Brendan that, you know, without, you know, uh, deriding your domestic situation <sighs> with your biological father, mm-hmm. Brendan seems to be that, one. that person that steps in there yeah. and just gives you everything that you need. but, but and, and when I asked you if you
0: believed your dad, I, I mirrored that to Brendan. So Brendan, when he was trying to philosophise and talk to me and trying to build my confidence up, and he was saying, you're going to be world champion, I'm like thinking, no, I, I don't believe you. So, and as he's talking, he's telling me stories about Jack Johnson or, or Marcus Aurelius yeah. or Genghis Khan. I'm Marcus like, why? Aurelius, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm part of, why are you telling me these yeah. stories about these people? And so he spent more time talking to me they're naturally training me. Right. And, and so, because he knew that was the job. Anybody can get that yeah. 100% fit. It's there, the it's that. of the yeah, yeah. So I'll he knew them. that was yeah. it, and it wasn't going to be overnight. He saw something in me that I didn't see. I kept coming back. I'd leave the gym after being beaten up by Harold Graham and mm. Brian Anderson, and I'd come back the
1: next day. And so he knew
0: I had something about me that do you think staying... that Do you think
1: that came from a position of empathy, uh, I, I, again, excuse the words, but understand the meaning, pity, uh, none of that, no. just thought, this, no, no. Kid, I, I this him, kid deserves my time. I saw him
0: get rid of time wasters. Right. I saw time wasters coming to the gym, Brennan, out, get out.
1: And when I say pity, I don't mean pity in terms of, of, you know, you're wasting my time. i mean pity in terms of the fact that you're going through this very difficult experience in life. And yet you have the fortitude to keep coming back yeah. and keep coming back and keep coming back when people are taking the piss out of you. You're yeah. looking around in an environment thinking I'm not good enough to be I, in I here.
0: About the stories he told me and the, and the dream he gave me, the belief he gave me, that wouldn't be a lie. And everything he said to me was the truth. Everything he said to me happened. I saw him with other people. He never told them that story. You're gonna be world champion. You're gonna do this. You're going to... I, it, my story was it was unique and
1: individual to me. And everything he said that I did not believe happened down yeah. to a T. How did you get it to be Johnny? How did it become Johnny? Evenson Rennie, isn't it? How does it become Johnny? <laughs> it's a funny story, but nobody believes me. Uh, and I actually never remember being
0: called Ivanson, but I do remember this in school. So I went to school. Um, my name's Ivinson Ranny Nelson. Right. My elder sister's called Smith. So at right. school I was known as Ivinson Ranny Smith, because okay. I just took it up straight away. So in the class, uh, Mrs. Leahy her name was, uh, and it was a Catholic school. She had one or two teachers there that weren't nuns. And she said- This is in Sheffield? In Sheffield. Yep. Uh, she said, call in the register and cry baby Johnny. When She said my name wrong, Iverson, I went Ivinson bottom lips going and the kids are like giggling. And so she can see that she said, stop, stop. She said, I'll tell you what, why don't we just, it's our first day, why don't we just choose a name for class to take for today until we get used to his name? Her son picked his hand up, Morris, let's call him. <laughs> He's called Morris. And so we went through the Bible. Right. Peter, uh, we, oh, Matthew. No, please don't be
1: telling me you're John the Baptist.
0: <laughs> we went through the Bible, but we already had two Johns in class. Right. So one of the kids said, let's call him Johnny. So she's, and the kids started giggling. And so, cause they're thinking Rubber Johnny, let's call him Johnny. So the kids, start, my school life was, can I borrow your rubber Johnny? <laughs> that was the school life. And it wasn't until I got older and I met my dad when I was 30. And I asked him, where's Ivinson Rani come from? What kind of name is that? He said, well, Ivinson uh, was a famous boxer in Dominica. I thought like, I don't believe you. He said, and ran. he's after the comedian. Right. I said, what comedian? He said, Rani Corbett, <laughs> and I went, it's ronnie corbett He went yeah ronnie corbett but so i'm named after ronnie corbett but right. how he pronounced it Is you Rani. can imagine him going in saying yes ronnie right. ronnie yes ronnie
1: r-a-n-n-y right and that so you're named after a dominican <laughs> fighter and a dwarf comedian <laughs> okay and that was <laughs> it
0: and i thought i might you, explain
1: a few things mate i thought you idiot but but that's that and johnny it's always been johnny ever since but talk to me about brendan's unconventional methods because we talk about penny dropping. Um, and epiphanies and moments in time, which clearly yeah. you've had, right? Yeah. Uh, and clearly they come from a position of either beginning to subscribe to a view or an ultimate moment or just Brendan's campaign of building you up, building you up, building you up. But he seems to have a unique outlook i mean obviously he's now got the reputation and repute he's no longer with us god mm-hmm. rest his soul and his sons have taken up the mantle mm-hmm. and he's got this legacy of junior witter and prince nazim and you as world champions mm-hmm. uh and harold graham who was one of my favorite fighters mm-hmm. and obviously i'll never forget julian jackson mm-hmm. and what he did to him um and the, the opportunities that were missed by harold because the talent was there but the unconventional manner in which he operated you know host the, the, the Carlos de Leon fight hasn't he got you going into prisons yeah. and fighting with prisoners he needed his
0: fighters to believe in themselves yep. so he'd take us to working men's, club, working men's clubs big burly mm. fellas and there we'd spar with each other do a boxing exhibition you'd get one of the lads like a young Naz or young Ryan Rose to walk around with a tray mm. to collect money to, for, to, to help the gym run the gym so every Sunday we'd do this fight around the place and they'd get everybody anybody he'd get us in the back and say right then if you get hit, whose fault is it? We'd all you say, our own fault. What can't you do? We can't hit them back. So we're boys, and you've got these big-ass men mm. that want to blast us because they're sat with all their mates saying, I can do him." Yeah. after seeing the sparring. Yeah. Yeah. So our job is to get out of the way. So Brendan said, the worst people to fight are the people that don't know how to fight. Because you don't know if you're going to throw a left or right, mm. two hands at the same time, you try and, but you're trying to yeah, grab you. you he said, if you can figure those people out, you, 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 you can't lose mm. so then Brendan ramped it up a bit then he got into to Doncaster Prison and these prisoners they had six months notice they say Brendan Ingle's coming in June whenever XYZ, it is yeah, yeah. and so they'd pay a pound a week out of their prison wage to go towards the charity eight prisoners were picked we did about four or five times was, Who was who was with you? Oh, well, everybody's done it. From Clifton Mitchell to um, uh, Herbie Hyde, Princess Hamid, Ryan Rhodes, Fidel Castro, Smith, Harold Graham. We've mm. all done it what? over the years. So, So when we got in there, Brendan said, remember, you cannot hit them back. So the prisoners are paid to come in the hall and watch. The eight prisoners that are treated like kings for six months—they're staying, right, living okay. it up. This right. is their chance for glory to be the king in the wing. So, so Bren's in there; he's making his fights spar with each other. He talked to the prisoners about where he's from, telling my story, telling his story. Then he'd say, then he'd introduce to prison prisoners that have come in. They'd all get in the ring, stand there, gloved up, vaselineed up, right. and uh, he'd make them say, "Tell them about yourself." I'm Terry. I'm from Manchester. Blah, 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 blah. I'm such a... I'm everybody out. Blah. I'm in for
1: mass murder. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: No, true. I, mm-hmm. I, I, I hate to spot with a murderer. a big black guy from Manchester. I'm like, right. why have I got him? You know what I mean? So, Brent so Brent would say, Johnny,
1: you're up. And so, I What got, did you think about that at the time? Did you think, what the hell am I doing here? Or did you yeah. think? Well, I will tell, tell you what, I'm washing up at the feet of this guy that's building me into I, something. It was actually, but the thing is, you don't you missed the wood for the trees because at the time it was a good laugh
0: for us lot because we could fight. Right. And most most boxers that can fight, you don't have to show off. You don't have to beat people up. You know, you can fight. Mm. Fighting and boxing are two different things. Mm. So when you get actually. in there, you got a pair of gloves on. Yeah. If you can box, it can be anybody. You know that can't fight. You know they're gonna try and rush you to try and get hold of you. You're gonna move out the way, hit and move. And so so you had that kind of confidence and we're all together. It was a laugh and we'd all laugh to say, oh my God, you've got that big fella there!" So we're laughing thinking, who's going to get battered? Who's going to get caught out? And um, Herbie Hyde Herbie joined the gym once. And uh, just for a short while, probably about a year we did it at the gym. And I remember he's been world champion. So he still thinks, you know. He's at that level. Yeah, I'm at that level. Yeah. So now we're in a, in a prison. He stinks got prisoners there that are no. jeering and shouting and Brennan's can holding hold them down. Herbie got in there he thinks he still wants the respect of a world champion. Mm. Like most champions walking around mm. now, I still want you to re- look at him and talk to him like the king of the hill. Herbie's in the ring guy gets in the ring Brenner said do not hit him just get out of the way. Herbie's moving out of the way he's moving out of the way can't, the guy caught him with a shot. Herbie Turned it on and battered him. And so all of a sudden, all, all the prisoners that were watching, it, oh, they all stood up going mad. So the screws had to come in. Brendan went mad at Herbie. And uh, Brendan said, "Boy, stop, 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 stop. And they're going mad. And then all of a sudden, he started singing this song. How have you heard about a big strong man? Where, and I'm like, honestly, this is like, Brendan, right? This is Brendan, yeah. stood in the ring, singing yeah. this Irish song to this, the, these, the, the prisoners. And they like looked up like, what's he doing then he sat down they sat down
1: just took all the steam out of him
0: he finished Way! he started mm. clapping only Brendan could be such a circus master mm. in such a, a multicultural master, yeah, yeah, gym yeah. in such a such a prison environment he knew it he understood mm. it Herbie said Herbie get around the bike." You know, and Herbert gone round the back. But Benedict, they didn't respect me.
1: And he said, you're an idiot. Get round the back. <laughs> what did you take from those? I mean, I mean, we all take things from life, don't we, in experiences. Because I always believe, and it's a it's a, a very crass analogy, about winning and, and losing in life. You know, people say you've got to put up a good fight. I always think a good fight is when you win, mm-hmm. not when you fucking turn up to, right? Mm-hmm. But what did you learn from those sort of experiences when you're going into that environment? You're seeing guys in life that aren't winning that like the people in prison aren't winning.
0: So okay. They, so okay. for oneself, you learn confidence because you're thinking, these men, all they can do is train. Yeah. You know, and, and if I've gone in there and held my own and, and not hit these guys back and got out of the way and slipped and blocked and they're actually hugging you after saying, you know, thank you, man. I can't believe how you did it. Mm. So like, your confidence is flying high. Mm. You're looking at these guys then. This was the whole point of Brendan's taking us to the prisons because he wanted... The prisoners and ourselves to understand how life could be, yeah. shouldn't be, should be. So they're elevated. The, you. the, the, the choices of, that are made in life where life can That's take clever, us. Then, isn't it? So, so, apart from having a spa, he talked to the prisoners. And, and, and what explained, you can look
1: like, and he talked to you. If you yeah. don't go the right way, what you yeah. can yeah. end up like. Yeah, and he talked yeah. to them. This kid's got that.
0: His yeah. background's the same as yours, blah, blah. And he talked to them and he had them. You know, if people aren't respecting you because they're talking while you're, while you're there, these prisoners were like kids. And Brennan's, and the, the the prison governor, the screws said, "You know what, Brent, We want you to come back. Now we've tried to, as time had gone on, you tr- the government are trying to in- were verbally trying to encourage schemes like this, but on the download, they won't let you do it because because once we made it official mm. to say we want to go to the government and take this around all prisons, they said no, no, it's too dangerous." Uh, we can't do that we're not encouraging fighting I now go to prisons now and and I've I've tried to encourage it into, back into prisons again but they won't now I can just go in and talk to them and I, I let them understand there's no difference between them and me they're actually they're actually probably stronger mentally or in a better position in life than I was and I'm saying so if I can do it then you kid can do that's, too yeah. that's less school with no qualifications mm-hmm. and, and and nothing no no self confidence if I can do it just tell me, why can't you do it?
1: In terms of huge moments in your career, set the scene for us around your world title fight in 1990 against Carlos de Leon. Uh, I was a boy in a man's body. Um, I thought
0: I was going to get exposed. And, and no, I knew I was going to get exposed. I was hustling it. You know, I, I didn't have the confidence to, to match my ability that Brendan said I had. Uh, Brendan knew he was taking the chance uh, and he knew he said, you're going to win, lose and draw. He said this is the chance here so he was prepared for the good and the bad side of it um, so to to come to that fight and to get to the Sheffield City Hall and to look out and see the crowd Linda Lussardi all the cast from Coronation Street Emmerdale they're all there to see me all of a sudden the reality of, of the task ahead of me the expectation had dawned on me mm. I'd lost before I even got in the ring you know and, and I was so worried Funny thing was I had a dream about the result and I had dreamt that the referee had my hand up and I looked across at De Leon and he was smiling and there was a guy, a white guy, like but with a, an afro with a pin striped suit on, white shirt, tie, really smart and sticking two fingers up. That was my dream. And we came to the fight. It was a ball draw. Uh, the crowd were booing. The crowd were angry. Because De Leon was the world champion and it was a draw, he kept his world title. Mm. So they didn't just have my hand up. They had him, had his hand up as well. He was smiling. As he smiled, I looked into the crowd and there was a guy ringside with a pinstripe suit on, suit on, afro, sticking two fingers up. And I looked, I thought, that's a guy in the dream. I'm thinking, this is not the time and the place I dreamt this. But it was the worst time. I can remember being sat on the back of the stairs of the City Hall. It was raining. My friend Mark Woolley came and sat down on the steps next to me, he put his arm around me. He said, "Come on, Jay. We'll get through this. You know." And it was just—it was hard. It was hard. It was horrible. And I—I I probably, at the time, the darkest time in my life. It might not mean anything to anybody that if you're not into boxing, but it was for me. Uh, but now I look back on
1: it, it was the best thing that could have ever happened. We've all had moments in time, right, where something's not gone our way. You know, I when I when with the end of my ownership of the football club. And I end up losing 50, 60 million quid. The banking crisis comes down. And I've gone from being someone that's the golden kid that owns a Mm. football club at 31 years of age, put a team in the Premier League, to someone that's just lost his fucking 60 million quid in a football club, lost another 50 million quid elsewhere. And I'm walking around thinking I am an ultimate failure. Mm. But it didn't break me. It just made me have more resolution and determination and the motivation to go, I'll see you again. But the
0: journey is is as important as the destination. Agreed. So, so that feeling Agreed. of what happened to you, when that that emotion wasn't a one five second conversation with yourself. No, no, no. And so it was a I period I t- of time. Yeah, yeah. So when I lost, when I drew with Carlos de Leon, the journey was people who I didn't know in the street speaking about me in a, such a drug detour, Why did to, that bother you? Total, it, strain, but, total yeah, strangers. But, but, but you know what? It, it wasn't one. It was two. It was three. It was four. And they made it quite clear, you know, they, they Nelson's such a wanker. You pick up a newspaper. Kept in cartoon jokes about about the fight. I think the best joke I saw was a guy was in a coma for 10 years and they put the Carlos De Lee and Johnny Nelson fight on. He woke up to turn the TV off. To go back to sleep again, and and so and That's so I funny, though, it? it was funny, <laughs> but what I'm saying is so. But at the time, I'm pretty sensitive. So mm. at the time, I'm thinking, you know what? That's somebody's son you're talking about. Yeah, that you're talking about somebody. So little things like that. I know if you're not into boxing, I'm saying to you, I'm saying this broke me. I want you to understand how it makes you so paranoid about everything and everybody around you. I had sponsors like knocking on my door left, right, and centre saying, we want to give you this, that, and the other. The next day, I, so my mum's house was a council house. I thought, with the money, I'm going to buy her house for her. That's my first thing I'm going to mm. buy. I bought a house for her. and uh, The next, about a week or so after the fight, I phoned the guy up that was all over me before the fight, and I he was going to put all double glazing in the windows and everything. I said, hey, it's Johnny. I, I, when are you going to send the ledger around to uh, fit the windows? He said, did you what? He said, you've got no chance. I'm embarrassing with that. What kind of shit was that? Mm. He said, I'm sorry, son. Proper straight like mm. that. You'll pay like everybody else. Mm. From being so nice and so respectful and so
1: all over me before. And I can I, I remember that phone because I thought. But it's good though, though isn't it? Because yeah. what it does, it wakes you up makes you realise that the only yeah. safety net in life you've got is and your own I say. Right? Yeah. That's why I say it was the
0: worst and best mm. stage of my life because I'd realised what human nature can be like and I realized how how don't be suck it in? Don't be mm. fooled by by what
1: you see. You know, there's many types of love. Mm. I love you when the sun's out, when the sun's down, yeah. and things are going bad. I don't want to know. Well, it's the um, it's like the um, the rainbow. It's the umbrella and the sunshine effect. When the banks when you've got lots of money and you're being very successful, the banks will lend you lots of money. Yeah. When you've got no money and you need some money, they'll not be there. It's they called the umbrella to... and the sunshine and, effect. And, so,
0: and, yeah. and that's what. So after that, and he's and then once I start to make some money in boxing. And even now, when, when people are saying, I want to give you these these gloves, I want to give you these tracksuit, I take it Do and I give it to everybody in the gym. Because I because what doesn't make sense is, why would you sponsor somebody that's already got money that can afford it and not sponsor a kid that's got nothing
1: But that's needs it. it? But that's the irony of it, isn't it? When you're the person with the most money in the room, I found that everyone wants to buy you a drink and you're yeah. the person that needs to be least bought yeah. a drink. And that's why I never took... And when I was with the football club and other businesses, people want to throw things at you. I never took anything from yeah. anyone because I never wanted to be beholden to anyone. Yeah, but, yeah. I never wanted anything from and anyone. And I, know, and I was going to get there because of and myself. And
0: So now, Sam, I'm bitter at these people that I saw a nasty side of. I'm not going to say then, you said You're not this. bitter now, are you? Uh, no, no, no. It made me think to myself, I'm not going to be rude to you. I'm not going to be disrespectful to you. I know who you are. You don't have to yeah. I know who you are. So therefore... One, it got to a point when I had stuff and all of a sudden they think I've developed amnesia. Oh, we want to give you this time. It's a... probably the greatest thing that ever happened yeah, to you. Yeah, it was. Because That's... it taught
1: you a lesson about the reality exactly. of life.
0: Exactly. Now now you asked me about that, that Eureka moment for me. Mm. And mine was, I was spying with um, with the world light like, heavyweight champion and I just battered him. Fabrice also his name was. I just battered him in the in the ring. It was raining. and remember my mum getting paid £100 a day. And um, and now my confidence has come thinking, you know what, John, you've been all over Europe. You're handling these boys. Watertight, it's pissing down with rain. And and my bed set I'm staying at is across the road from the gym. There's a white limousine outside, stretch limo with a driver in, and a beautiful mixed race woman sat in the back with a little white poodle. I've been there a few weeks now. I'm like, so this one like, more. damn. Anyway, so so I smiled. She smiled back. She wasn't smiling at me. She was smiling at the Fabrice because it was his missus and 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 he said see you tomorrow Johnny tapped me on the shoulder and got in the car and i stood at the on at the side of the road and watched his car drive off into the distance and i'm in the rain and i'm watching thinking what that what i've just battered him mm, and he's and in he, that and he's oh. in that and i'm i'm walking mm-hmm. there to the, and, and so that point there I said, Johnny, what is the difference here? This, and Listen to me. When you're a sparring partner and you're on, you're on your own, you talk to yourself a lot because mm. you've got to have a conversation with yourself to, to prepare yourself to get in the ring and it's like a fight every day. And I said, Johnny, well, the difference between you and him is this he can perform in public, you can't get your shit together. And that was my eureka moment. I thought, I am never going to lose again. And so, and from that day onwards, I thought, the
1: day when I lose, I'll, I'll be done. You go from. Losing the Carlos de Leon fight, winning the next six fights, right? So you've come out of this really dark yeah. moment, right? And the world's going to hell in the handcart as far as you're concerned. Everyone's, you know, you're, you're treated like a pariah yeah. by people that once upon a time were, you know, were wanting to wipe your backside. Yeah. I know what that looks like. I know what that feels yeah. like, right? And then you win the next six fights, and then all of a sudden, w- what? It, you 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 reverse out of this particular winning mentality no, 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 and sh- go and lose the next seven talk, of them. So you start, I, I, I Would felt, you consider yourself to be a journeyman at that stage? Because you start finding no, no, but, but people start calling me a journeyman. Right. And I think the reason why
0: that patch happened because I fell out of love with the game. Because after I did the Leon fight, even though I'd won six straight fights on, nobody wanted to put me on. Nobody wanted promoters had put adverts saying I don't want Johnny Nelson on my show. Nobody wanted to know. So right. I had no money. So it's not like football, you
1: get paid every week. You only get paid when you box. So so, so I worked So But at, why I, was this visceral reaction to you? I mean, I mean, I watched Joe Bagner and yeah. the accusations against Joe Bagner that he was yeah. a similar kind of character, all the talent, yeah. and never deployed, never put himself in a way of risk. Yeah, and, 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 and
0: so all of a sudden, the reality is, it's not just somebody else, it's happening to me. I've got Brendan talking to me, time after time, Johnny, listen to me, we'll get this right. He did little things like, like put an advert in the local newspaper to get people to come and spar. Yeah. You know, these were confidence building. Builders, but yeah. he thought I need to get stick- how's that a
1: confidence builder
0: basically because- he's going out to the public and saying roll up roll up roll up No, no see, but, if can, see if you can yeah, beat but, the loser yeah, exactly because he knows the stick I'm getting so he's put an advert in the local paper Johnny Nelson uh, appreciates the help of the Sheffield public and he wants your help for his next fight and he's willing to pay £750 a week if you will be his sparring partner for a week to help him prepare for the next fight and I thought another one of Brendan's stunts this is a Friday night right. Sunday morning I walked in the gym the door hit somebody it was packed out. I'd still forgotten about this advert he put in the paper on the Friday. I thought, just Brendan's done. So I went up and I said, Bren, what are these people here for? He said, they've come to answer the
1: ad. To kick your ass.
0: And yeah. I'm like, and then I turned around, because when I got upset, I used to I used to cry. And so I'm thinking now, and I'm so angry. I'm like, oh my. He said, Johnny, go over there and get changed. So I walked around the other side of the ring and put my stuff on. I'm looking at all these people, people I've seen. In the street, people I know, Jamie Reeves, World's Strongest Man. And when I walked in, it was like a little nod. I thought, what are you doing here? What's he doing here? I'm looking at all these people thinking, you think you can do me? Yeah. Now I'm getting really angry. Right. And then Brennan got in the ring. He started talking. He's, and then he got an envelope out of his pocket, pulled out three white feathers and said, does anybody know what this means? One guy put his hand up. He said, you give it to cowards in the foreign legion. He said, I've been receiving this every week since Johnny Box called us to Leon. Could the person that sent this, is he here? Yes, I am. He's a coward. I felt ashamed to say I'm a Sheffield man. He's from Sheffield. Made us all look bad. Tosser. But I'm there. I'm not in another room. And Brendan said, do you understand what you've got to do? He said, yes, I do. For one week, he said, yeah, three rounds a day. All yes, right. I do. So now I'm thinking, how do I kill him? Do I knock him out? Do I hit him in the throat? Make him choke on his gum shield, whack him in the ribs, make wind him. I want him conscious so he's but, in pain. Ding, ding, bell went. So I thought, I'm gonna, knock, I'm gonna whack him in his throat. I'm just knocking him in his throat. I want him to be conscious and struggle. So this guy's like coming forward like Rocky and he's swinging. Then I'm thinking, I can't believe how bad yeah, you are. Yeah. But I just want one clean shot. Am I even gonna tap you and set you up? So I thought, yeah, there's shot's there. I went to throw the shot. He put his head down. I whacked him on the forehead and he went, Whoa, whoa, whoa. Went down on one knee. No, no, no. I'm having none of this. It's a I'm bit thinking. Of reality for me. Uh, yeah. So that's what I'm saying. But he's got a great, he's great boxing mm-hmm. till you get hit. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm having none of this. I'm having none of this. And so he said, uh, I've not come for this stuff. Tuck his head guard off. Pull these gloves off, run out the run out of the uh, a ring. But I'm mad now because I realise he's been sending the feathers. Mm. So I jumped out of the ring. Brenner said, "Don't let Johnny Nelson out." Shut the door. Shut the door. So the fella got out, and I'm pissed now. And so I thought, all right, who else is getting in? So Jamie's like, Johnny, I just come to watch, mate. I didn't. I was only came to watch. <laughs> About three or four got in, they didn't last around. Mm. But then all of a sudden, everybody came to just watch. Now, now to me, that was a great lift for me to say johnny you are not as bad as what they are telling you are right believe in yourself i can find i think i can fight any man in the street when i was world champion believe it or not i believed i was the best fighter in the world there's not many world champions now that believe they are the best fighter amongst Mm. 7.888 billion billion people people, on this planet i believe there was now, you've got to be arrogant enough. I show some arrogance and self-belief mm-hmm. enough to think I can do it. I believe I was the best in the world once I was world champion. Mm. Titan Fury believes he's the best in the yeah. world up until the, 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 the Alizane Usyk situation. But I actually believe, and there's not many fighters that have got the title world champion that believe they're the best. I did.
1: Well, that leads me into um, Anthony Joshua. What do you make of the Anthony Joshua that uh, we've got uh, now?
0: I believe Anthony Joshua has got to the point where, now in his career, where he's fighting for the wrong reasons. Because mm. when he was world champion, he had that mentality to think, I'm I'm the best fighter in the, the world. Elite one. When yeah. you've been a world champion, and you truly believe you are the best in the world, anything less, isn't enough, right? So, so when he boxed to Andy Ruiz, I'd heard a lot as there was some issues in the dressing room before the fight, and his dad didn't want him to go out. But then, when he lost to Usyk, because he came back beat Andy Ruiz, he thought, right, I've righted that wrong. He lost to Usyk. He never expected to lose to Usyk. I can remember speaking to Dylan White and Doutchard saying, "You'll blast this guy." He's e- a w- everyone thought they did Yeah, they? yeah. Then he got into it with Usyk and lost to Usyk. Now yeah. he's thinking, all right, underestimated him. I got it wrong, and so now he doesn't believe. He, d- he still believes he's the best in the world. He made a mistake, but then when he bought Usyk. It the second time mm. he knew he wasn't the best in the world and i said this is where the problem starts not what we've just seen there in the ring not the act after the bell's gone the problem is when he's up by himself he's got to get in his head why am i doing
1: this my view is that his demise started after klitschko where he went into a certain place to have to win that fight and i do think since then he's gone on and fought in a certain way um, which has taken him out of the way of risk and what not prepared to put himself in the way of risk in the way that he once did before when he was a wrecking machine. When I saw
0: him fight, and especially in his last fight, which he won, and I'm glad he won, he still showed novice behaviour from yeah. a guy that's been a two-time world heavyweight champion, well, I heard that, which told me he's never going to get that well, much. I heard
1: that, from, I'm not going to betray confidences, but I heard from a leading trainer that was before one of the Akoli fights, uh, well, actually before um, Anthony went in against Alexander Usyk there was Akoli was fighting on the undercard mm. and Anthony was talking to one of the trainers saying what do you think I should do in I, this I, fight i do got one better than that he was walking in the ring uh, against uh, Usyk mm. and my friend was the
0: head of security walking next to him he said How would you fight a Southpaw on the way to the ring mm. What he's displaying to me, and I know, and, I, and again, I respect what he's achieved. I respect what he's done. I've always been, I've always been a cheer leader mm. of him because I think the work he's put in and how he's executed has been spot on. But in reality, right now, a two-time world champion is in a fight and he's looking over at his corner man, Derek James, mid fight, the whole fight, yeah, yeah, by the yeah, yeah, yeah mid fight, and I'm like thinking, "What are you doing? Yeah. You should now be at a stage where your corner man takes the muzzle off, yeah. ding ding, off you go, Execute. get the job cut done, get the muzzle back on." Yeah. But, but he's still thinking hmm. like a novice he's still acting like a novice he's still acting like a kid that doesn't know what he's doing if you don't know now you're never going to know he's 33 years old why
1: did you think I was cheeky sort about Anthony because I mean be- I said something to Derek Chisor didn't I I said to Derek yeah, Chisor yeah. I don't want to see you fighting Dillian yeah. White for the third time
0: I, I said that as well because I, th- uh, I wasn't trying to be disrespectful yeah, no, 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 but, I what just you call said, it as I see it I'm-
1: just thought, sorry, and I
0: thought I thought he'd beat Louise um, the second fight Without a doubt, yeah, of course. Yeah, he did. Without,
1: without a doubt, he put, yeah, but he, not—he didn't go in and plunder him. Yeah, he didn't yeah, go and, and put, murder and, him and, and avenge this defeat. He went in there and, and did the job. Yeah, and did the job. And so therefore, I thought he looked at Ruiz like we all did,
0: walking into the at the press conference, and people laughed. He's a Pillsbury Doughboy, Yeah, we laughed at him. The security guy in front of him looked like we all thought that mm. was Andy Ruiz. Ruiz is there with his baggy jeans, little fat fella yeah, behind yeah. him. Yeah. We laughed at him. So Anthony Joshua looked at this guy and he disrespected him. And I've always said, respect your opponent because if you don't, then People that beat you, but why did you think I was this? I mean, so I thought I thought you was. I thought
1: because I shouldn't because I've never laced gloves and I shouldn't be.
0: No, no, not that. I think because you'd written him off because of that loss, and there was a remark you said. As if to say he's never going to do it. He's you know he's done. You know, and I'm because I think he is. Yeah, but well, that's and what I think but, you're coming to that conclusion. But yeah, but that, but that I, do, I do. If I'm honest yeah. with you, I do now. Yeah, and I don't like saying it because I like AJ, and these guys are going to look at it saying you're out of order. Yeah, and 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 when I'm asked, when people say, "What if AJ loses?" I'm going to give an honest answer. And and so, and which is s- why I like your punditry. Yeah, and, yeah, and, and and people don't like it, but the thing is, time tells its own story. So I was asked when he boxed uh, uh, Usyk the last time when we were out in Saudi, what do you think will happen if he loses? I said, uh, if Anthony Joshua loses, he'll walk away because the problem is going to be he's not going to be able to handle mm. not being a world champion. Remember, it's the first time he's had such a backlash from a fight that he's won. Mm. So now his, his whole reasoning, the whole point in
1: fighting, he'll be thinking... But if he followed your logic... And your logic was, because basically what the boxing world now doing is turning full circle and going, you're done. I think people are actually beginning to laugh at the concept that Anthony Joshua could beat one of the top heavyweights now. Anthony
0: Joshua has been through every experience going for him to learn from it. He's thirty. He's a 33-year-old man. He's not mm-hmm. a boy turning into one. He's a man. So if he, if he's still making boyish
1: mistakes because you always I, made that excuse for him about his short amateur career, yeah,
0: oh sure, I'm, but he's a former yeah. two-time world heavyweight yeah. champion of the world. Yeah. So so he's ticked so many boxes. And he's learnt so much. So if you've not learned from the ups and downs of that, and you're still making these rookie mistakes now at 33 years old, you're a man. Now mm-hmm. I I I believe that he is bus driver, ticket collector, and passenger of his training camp. He says what yeah, happens, it how it then. happens. Yeah, he not, says yeah. when he's trained. I believe. I'm, I might be wrong. And, and he'll see this and say, you know what, Johnny, blah, blah, blah. But you know what, in years to come, he'll think, Johnny, you were right there. Because mm-hmm. his motivation for fighting, he's now he's
1: now in no man's land. Here's a thorny subject that I want to take you into when we're talking about controversial views. And I, and I really want to have this conversation mm. with you because it's a subject matter that I don't get very often to speak to to, to, to a black man about, mm-hmm. about racism in sport. Mm-hmm. Because I have quite strong views on racism in society. I live in a country where I'm constantly being told that I've got white privilege and I've got a situation where we live in institutional racism and I read articles from people talking about mm-hmm. racism from Luther Burrell, that's a rugby player. And I wanna to talk to you about, about racism in boxing mm-hmm. and the lack of diversity in certain spaces or the lack of inclusion. I mean, obviously once upon a time, we had Don King that was a leading boxing promoter, that was a Cleveland numbers runner that killed people, but never st- not notwithstanding it, at- still got to the top of his profession. And then we've got this situation and I will finish this monologue in a second, which really irritated me when Anthony Joshua did this speech in Hyde Park or wherever it was about people not shopping in white people's shops probably and so, so forth. Yeah. And you've been on the end of some racism. I know that you had a situation in Australia. Mm-hmm. You've probably been on the end of a lot of racism. Mm-hmm. But I want to know what your view on racism in society, racism in the sport that you, that you came from and how it looks. Because it's easy for me to say yeah. a certain view in my family, my nephew – It's black. So, you know, uh, from that point of view, I get to see certain things in a certain perspective, but you can't walk through the eyes of someone else or Mm. can't walk in someone else's shoes, more importantly. Given what I've just said, tell me how the world looks to you in that particular scenario. So in
0: our sport of boxing, boxing, if you're good, you're good. No matter black or white. Jack Johnson, first black heavyweight champion in the world. And they they tried everything possible to stop this man boxing for world title, Mm -hmm. but he was the best fight in the world. So eventually like it or not, that proves, that says it all. You can't kid and say, now this kid's betting that kid because two people against each other will prove who's the best. Mm-hmm. So boxing, it's very hard for, for, for racism to play a part in modern day boxing now because the best fighter
1: is who you want. But don't, isn't it the same in football? But the football, and, and, and the best cricketers are getting played. The best footballers are black now. If you look at the Premier League, mm-hmm. 50% of the Premier League is black. The best players, I think, with a few you're exceptions, looking, you're looking at the black.
0: managers, and you're looking at the promo- and right. this is the area that right. I want to get into so, with you. So the that's... idea
1: that people t- suggest that ultimately, because you can be, you can be the player, yeah, you can be, you can be the 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 actor, but you can't be the impresario. Yeah, yeah. W- what do you think of that? So, in, so in America, you know, you've got
0: PBC, you've got Floyd's set to mm-hmm. you've got they, they, they've got the 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 finance, they've got the infrastructure to to build this up. This will happen in the UK. There will be a, a a fighter or an ex-fighter or somebody that's 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 got the the genre the, the say, quoi he's got that about him to mm. say, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna front this up that person will turn up it's not a black white thing it's about somebody coming through saying I'm going to kick the doors down and get this done like Eddie's had to kick the doors down like Frank Warren had to kick the doors well, down Eddie I don't was functioning Eddie gave yeah yeah. yeah, gave him yeah, yeah. But, but, but the thing you had to kick the doors down to get respect because at first he was yeah, a little rich enough. boy with a silver fair spoon enough, in his mouth fair enough, fair enough. So, so, so then in the British Boxing Board of Control now they have to have black representation they have to have more black representation to to to, to balance it out because certain fires will think you know what there's nobody that looks like me that are making the decisions about my career and within the British boxing world of control. But, but now, we, uh, hang on. But ultimately, don't, are you advocating for that? Are you saying that's right? Uh, no, I'm saying there should be. There should be. But it's about it's about opportunities. I'm hearing one or two things that are going
1: on, and they've got they, they're starting to
0: to integrate
1: and get people well, into in think, the British. You, you know, in the British boxing world of control. Come on, yeah. are we talking about? Aren't we talking about the people that really influence the sport, which is the promoters? You name me a promoter that's not working his way up. Dylan White's brother, he's he's he, mm. Dean, he's trying, he's
0: trying to get he's starting somewhere. Yeah. you know, he's pushing himself through. There are there are young men that are coming through thinking, I'm gonna do that. I'm planning, that's what will go. And, until we get to a stage where somebody has is stopped because and you can point out it's black because he's black. At the moment, certain people get the TV, right? Certain people don't get the TV. You know, Now, you can't say that's because I'm black-white, because most of the promoters out there are white. So they've not got it because he's got a better stable. He's got a better stable. There will be a time where you've got a black promoter that comes through and he's going to run ragged because all the black fighters will will gravitate towards him. As long as he treats them right, as long as he's right with them, all the best fighters will will run towards him. I'm not saying the best fighters are only black fighters. What I'm saying, the fighters will go towards him because they'll think...
1: I actually get your argument yeah, you, there's you. something that looks like me. But okay, well let me give you something that you said um during the BLM movement because I have real problems with yeah. the BLM movement, right? Mm. And we can and you can push back on me anytime you want, right? But you said uncomfortable conversations about race and history to make a positive change in society. Let's have an uncomfortable conversation. Uh-huh. I think racism exists in this country, no Mm -hmm. doubt about it. You'd be stupid to say that it doesn't. It exists in sport, it exists in society. But there's racism in in every community. And if you've got 55 million white people in this country, and 1% of them are stupid, ignorant racists, Mm -hmm. and you've got 10 million people of colour in this country, and 1% of them are racist, so the same statistic, you're still going to have five times as many racists in the white community as you are going to have in the black and brown community. And I struggle I really struggle, Johnny, with this notion that you know we should be talking about anything other than equal opportunity. Yeah. Not equal outcomes, because equal outcomes can't be programmed. It means what you're doing is say shit off with talent, just give it to someone because they they've got colour or because they totally part agree. of the LGBT community.
0: I, I, I totally agree where you're coming from, and I think, I, I think the, the the problem is in today's world. I if we start talking about slavery. Yeah. Talk, now, so right now it's an you, unco- so, that, so,
1: so, that burns my arse yeah, 250 exactly, years and ago This
0: is the uncomfortable conversation yeah, yeah, okay. Because if I start talking about slavery to you About what white people did to black people yeah. You're thinking I'm getting blamed for what they yeah. did So so now it's a conversation To say well actually let, let's have that conversation The conversation is this you can't, I can't judge you for what your brother does Never mind mm-hmm. what, what your ancestor did 400 yeah, yeah. years ago And so, so even From my perspective as a black man I've got to say I can't blame you for what he's done you, you know but so this is a conversation now what i'm saying is, there's a large proportion of white society that do not want to talk about uh, about about history history so therefore i don't want to say anything because i don't want you to think i'm racist i don't want you to think i'm ignorant but them saying nothing seems like they're actually siding with it so 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 if you so, there's a cameraman i used to work with lovely guy yorkshireman white man proper proper yorkshireman he's telling a story about when we were in boston and uh, charles lawrence he trapped his hand in the door. So he said, We're all there's a few of us in the room like we're here. He started to tell the story and he said, Oh, just hold in a minute. And he took me into the room. He said, Johnny, I'm gonna exp- I'm gonna describe what Jars looks like. Do I say black or coloured? Now coloured was deemed to be a respectable mm-hmm. Term back in the day, and I started laughing. That was so glad he asked me. I said, "Don't say coloured man, say so black." Yeah, and told the story. But he knew he was then educated to say, "Right, this is the right thing to say." But if you shy away from getting involved in these conversations and ask, "Is this wrong or is this right?" Right then, therefore, people think you're a racist. Look at you. I,
1: I mean, I look at it and I struggle, not because I'm a white man. It's got privilege, and that really burns my ass to be told I've got white privilege. Because mm. no one knows my background. No one knows yeah. where I've come from. And I get my, my partner Michelle, who you know, who's been in a very difficult lifespan, and she gets told the same thing because she's in the media, and no one seems to understand or would understand that her father tried <clears> to <throat> murder her mother, uh, her sister committed suicide, no, no, and she but comes but, from an awful do, background. But do you
0: understand what white privilege is? Tell me, and I'll tell you if I understand it. Can you relate to walking into a a shop? Or a room full of people that don't look like you. yeah, And people suspecting you of anything that goes wrong. Suspecting you of stealing. Suspect holding that bag a bit tight because you've come along. Now, white privilege is you can walk anywhere, not think twice about it. When I used to leave the house mum said Johnny, if there's any trouble daughter nothing get out of it out of it because they'll they'll pick the black boy out of it more than anything else my first experience of racism I didn't even know it was I was at school there's there's me and the the teacher's daughter painting Jesus Mary and joseph other kids are doing the sheep doing the doing the, doing the stable and everything and so we're getting it all done so me a young boy a, a child I've got I got I've got no agenda I started painting Jesus brown right. he's from a hot country she went oh my god you've ruined it i'm like what have i done have i broken it you've ruined it the teacher at the front said what, what's happened what's happened you two come here she's crying eyes out i'm like what have i done so she said she's, she's ruined it mom she's now she's calling her mom not miss she's ruined it mom she's, he's ruined it he's he's, he's painting jesus i went jesus is from a hot country he's not white the teacher said johnny shut up i said but he's from a whack teacher slapped me around the face to shut me up i'm like shut up Now that teacher was in a position of authority to teach and open the the mind of youngsters, to say, right, this is how the world is. And this is the situation. She could have educated people, well, actually this is the point, but instead she panicked thinking, how would I deal with this? Mm. Slap me down, shut me up. We got another model, another Jesus in there. Anyway, I went home that night. I'd forgotten about it. It was in the morning, I went home that night. Uh, my mum, how was school today? I, was telling her, I told her what happened. But I just, uh, I got dumped in trouble, where, you know, had the teacher, you know, this happened. She slapped me around the face, she went, all right. My mum sat there and folded her arms, she went, all right. And I didn't think twice about it. Anyway, next day she walked me to school. Uh, she stood across the road, and usually by the time I'd crossed the road, I'd turn around, I'd see her back walking down the hill. But she was still stood there. So I thought, why' well, is mum still there anyway? I walked in, I thought she was gonna talk to the parents. The teacher's calling the register. As she called the register, boom, the door kicks open, the classroom. My mum came marching in. I'd forgotten all about what happened. The went, Oh my God, I'm going to get in trouble. Mum just walked in and just disrupted class. All the kids screamed because mum kicked the door open. She walked up the front. She said, Did you put your hand in my child's head? head yesterday? I'm like, What? And the teacher was just about to answer. My mum went, went, Whack! slapped her around the face. She said, I don't even put my uh, my hand in my child's head. And so this. What so all the kids are screaming now? This woman's teacher screaming, you know. Sister Catherine came down. We called the sister. She p- proper bulldog woman came down. What's going on? What's going on? Called the teacher out. Called my mum out. My mum's proper ready for a scrap. And so my mum. And so they called me and the, the Bernadette out. And my mum. My mum told the sister what she'd done. And this teacher, this assistant this looked at the teacher as if to say, because it was an awkward situation then. It's a conversation, a comfortable conversation that had to be had at a time when you've got kids in the prime of their life when you've got to educate them.
1: This teacher didn't educate us. This teacher instead chose to slap mm. me and shut me up. If someone's racist, they shouldn't be protected. Yeah. They should be named. Without a doubt. You know, when I read Luther Burrell's co- column and in the rugby player, I asked him on air and he got very cross with me. I said, why won't you name them? Yeah. I said, you're not in the sport anymore. Then they should be called out uh, for uh, it. And
0: the problem is in football, because so, when you're on the training pitch and, and the, 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 the coach is using a derogatory term, yeah. uh, right? And so in football, the ballers didn't want to say anything. That were in the in the pump of their career. They say it when they're done, but unfortunately, they don't got the power of the voice, a power of voice, when they've left. Say it when you're playing. Say it when you've got a voice. Say it when people mm. think when, uh, you've you no excuse, yeah. when you've got no excuse. When you've got no excuse, where people say he's only saying that because he's not playing anymore. Mm. And this is the problem. So you say you 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 expose them. If people are like that, I, to me, I think I don't make it my problem. If you was a raving racist, mm. right? As far as I'm concerned, it's like a crocodile. Yeah. You put your hand in the crocodile's mouth, what's it gonna do? It's gonna bite you. That's its nature. So therefore, I'm not gonna put my hand in its mouth. So therefore, if that's who you are, I'm out I'm out of that. Yeah. You know, I'm not I'm not around you, that's mm. who you are. Absolutely right. Your mentality, your anger, your 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 bad blood affect me. That's your problem. So so what I'm saying is, yes, name them. Let's point them yeah, out. Yeah, I agree. Yes, point Have the them. the courage
1: of your convictions go all in. If someone does something to me, and again it might be coming from a position of influence. I didn't Uh, You know, I had lots of challenges in my life. I made lots of mistakes. You know, I didn't come from a particularly wealthy background and I've always maintained the same view. Go hard or go home. If you've got something to say, say it. But black on black, I don't like the use of the N-word. Well no. I don't like I don't why would would other black
0: people Try and and embrace that, and try and claim that to make it a good thing. Because all it reminds me of rape, pillage, theft, Mm. murder. Mm. So so when black young black men are calling, or young black men like to say, and I'm like, nah, that's just wrong. But because and and then you've got all the songs, you know, you've got some iconic songs and the words in there and the regular, the worst situation I'd probably been in, and it might be it is nothing compared to other people's situation. I was younger, my school, there was like eight black kids in the school. We went ice skating, and and I was the only black kid amongst all my friends from school. We'd get there, take your shoes off, give your boots, swap over. Skating was over. You went back, gave your boots back, get your shoes back. The manager of the place, um, I could see my shoes. He said, "Where's your ticket?" I went, "What ticket?" Man got a ticket. He said, "Now you're gonna have to wait." Everybody had gone. The lights are out. The cleaners looking. Anyway, she give me the boots. I was so mad because this guy singled me out. Again, I didn't think it was because I was black a few years later now i go to the club that's attached to the skating ring and and i phoned up the guy before and i said to him i want to hire i didn't know he was the same manager um uh, i want to hire the club what is that i told him what kind of music it was you know r and b but funk, bit of, of regular blah, or a bit of lovers rock all right come now, let's have a chat so he knew what i was doing knew what i was playing he knew what the, what the genre was i got down there it was daytime there's two bouncers on the door two o'clock in the afternoon the club's closed. There's nobody in there. Why's he got two bouncers there? This guy sat there. And I could just see the top of his head. He's writing away. I walked in. As I walked in, I put my jacket on. I put my shirt on, I got my little briefcase underneath from about probably 18. Now, I'm, 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 I'm at the gym now. So, Brendan's talking about sticks and stones. Come on, use your brain. These people are going to try and react to it. make you react a certain way. The lessons learned came so came to fruition so well. I walked in. This guy had his head down. Won't even look up at me. He went, he went, yeah, go on. He's right away. So I said, uh, "My name's Johnny Nelson. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm trying to get him, catch his eye. He's just writing away." I said, play "A bit of R and B, bit of bit of dis that." Name. And he went, "I've got a problem. Black people are alright, but niggas I hate them. You know when their hair stinks and that stinky big dreadlocks in their hair? I hate them. that shit. Jungle music. and I'm like, what the fuck? I'm sat there, this guy's telling me this. My heart's racing. I thought." No, I thought, you bastard. And I'm grabbing the chair. I thought, oh my God. And he kept saying end, the end. He said, he said, so I don't really want any of that shit in this club. I went to stand up. As I went to stand up, the chair scraped on the floor. And and so, and the door bust open. And these bouncers run in. So this guy knew what he was doing. So these bouncers are there to kick my head in. So these, I'm supposed to go for this guy. So these bouncers are going, all three of them kick the life out of me. I just went to stand up. I'd figured out the game and I'm like, looked, I looked at him, I went, thanks for your time. I, out. I was so mad. I was mm. so, and I mean mad to the point where I was crying mad. Time goes on now, I get a bit of a name in Sheffield. And when I get a bit of a name in Sheffield and you know, the City Hall are uh, doing a, you know, m- d- 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 give me like a, yeah, a big event, a, a Johnny, yeah, you, yeah, are, yeah. you are, you are. So they said, I want you to come. Freedom of the City yeah. yeah. Walked in the City Hall, packed out, there's all these businessmen sat on this stage. And I see this guy on the stage. I thought, yes, there is a God. So I got on the stage. As I got on the stage, I'm shaking everybody's hand. How you doing? How you doing? How you doing? I got to him, grabbed his hand, pulled him towards me. and said, I remember who you are. If you're here by the time I get to the end of this queue, I'm going to tell everybody who you are. Shook his hand, smiled and moved on. By the time I got to the end of the queue, I see the door shut. And I thought, you know what? I could have had a, a period victory and got a beating could have leant over the table, smashed him in his face and got a beating for it. Or, now, when I get the chance, I tell that story whenever I get the chance to. Because this man, the shame of what this man should have. Funny enough, I went ice skating in the same place and the guy's still there. And I walked in and this guy looked at me and he looked away. And And he's behind the counter now. And I took him and he just smiled to myself. I thought, you are still here. You little
1: piece of shit. In my life, um, when I was 15 years of age, I went to a, a college and we played a cricket match against a team called Stockwell Manor, Manor and all the kids were black, came down. It's the first time I got beaten in my life. Yeah. When I was 17, I got stabbed in Croydon by a black kid. Mm. When I was 21, living in New York, I got uh, shot at by a group of black kids when I was living in Greenwich Village. Uh, when I was uh, 32, 33 in London, a multi-millionaire football club owner, I got held up with my watch. And Two years ago in Courtney's all over the press, I got held up at gunpoint. Those were five people that were not representative of the black community, yeah. they were just five shitbags, as far as I was and, concerned. And, and, I, and I'm like, you, and, and I'm that's like the you. conversations I and, want and to and have I'm with like people.
0: Because, and there's an element of black people who think all oh, white people are the same, they'll think, John, you're out of order, yeah. you, you're, you're Uncle Tom, because you, you're, not, you're not throwing them on. And I'm not, I am not. I look yeah. at life as life. You've got good black people, you've got bad black people, that's you've got good white people, you've got bad black people. You don't tar everybody by the same brush. And and when Lennox Lewis was calling Frank uncle, uncle tom. tom yeah i know from black man to call another black man that it hurts on a massive scale like that and that burnt frank to this day so so now black america is very different from black britain very much so america's messed up man mm. it's messed up it, it's, to me i just think we think we've got it bad you need to go to america I know. I
1: live there.
0: Live you know what i mean mm. so so and so black 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 americans look at the world and look at white people differently yeah. than we do understandably so as well yeah, yeah. With, okay, without, if, you, if, without, you know,
1: if you know some of the background over there and I do about redlining and all the culture yeah. over there you can understand it without a doubt Johnny this has been fascinating have we done? I, I've enjoyed it oh, damn and listen we could carry on talking for hours you and I but listen thank you for coming and thank you for being nice up front with them. me today appreciate that Up Front With Me Simon Jordan is brought to you by William Hill future episodes can be found on YouTube Spotify or wherever you find your podcasts 18 plus please gamble responsibly